What's going on, guys? It's Mike Cerrone from the DC Crossover Podcast. Ben and I have been producing audio content since our teenage years. But now, don't we wish we had the tools you guys have to create and distribute your own content? Let me quickly tell you about our new sponsor, Anchor. Now, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's definitely something I love using. One reason, because it's free, people, F-R-E-E. As most of you may know, free is one of my favorite words, so don't get that mixed up. So no charge to start up with Anchor. Now let's talk about how easy it is to use. With Anchor, there are creation tools that allow you guys to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Super simple and super accessible from anywhere. Now that you recorded, how do you distribute to the streaming apps? Anchor does it for you, folks. Whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or more, they got you. Using Anchor, you can actually make money from your podcast. Straight hard cash, homie. Whether you have a handful of friends, family, or group that wants to hear your content, there is no minimum listenership. It's everything you would ever need to make a podcast in one simple place. Want to get started? Here's what you guys need to do. Download the free Anchor app on your phone or go to anchor.fm to get your podcast started today. Now back to our nation's capital with Sarone and Simpson. From the blue waters of the Chesapeake Bay to the hills of Tennessee, the Virginia Tech Hokies are on the air. Welcome, Pine Ponies. It's the DC Crossover right here on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Google Play Music. I'm your host today, Mike Cerrone. Ben Simpson is under the weather, but we have our ACC tournament preview, basically headed by our own Danny Noakes of Fox Sports 910 in Richmond, our Virginia Tech insider, obviously, as one of the local teams, and also I'm a little bit biased towards Virginia Tech, and I know a lot of people that listen to our podcast are biased towards Virginia Tech, so that's what we're going to try to focus in on as our Virginia Tech insider is on the line. Danny Noakes, what's going on, man? Haven't talked to you in a long time. Yeah, man. What's up, sir? I'm doing good. Ready for some March Madness? Ready for some tournament action? It's going to be fun. Oh, no doubt about it. Obviously, the ACC tournament is coming up here in just a quick few. Obviously, the first round is tomorrow as we are recording this on Monday night because you had a long weekend. Tell us about your long weekend with the Tokies. Yeah, that's right. I was down in Tallahassee, Florida. Just got back at uh, about 1 o'clock this morning. Was with the Virginia Tech baseball team. They were playing the number 7 Florida State Seminoles three-game series. They ended up playing a doubleheader on Saturday because some expected weather was coming in Sunday. That actually ended up missing us, so would have been fine playing the, the normal three-game set. But the Hokies... Uh, they won one of three games. They, they dropped two of them. Uh, and Mike Martin, the head coach there down at Florida State, got his 2,000th win. Wow. Uh, I don't know if you saw on ESPN yet. He's the first coach in the history of any NCAA sport to get 2,000 wins. So no doubt an impressive feat. But uh, I'm sure that 
Florida State fans are well aware he's never won a national championship, so uh, <laughs> still searching the for the ultimate goal. But Tech, a much improved baseball team. We got to give a lot of credit to Coach Jeff. No doubt about it. So a long weekend for you. We are appreciative of you to come on the airwaves with us. Obviously, we haven't talked uh, for a long time. Obviously, there's so much so much stuff going on with trade deadlines and the, and back in the season with Wizards and the Caps. Obviously, their seasons are about to come to a close. All the trades, all the firings, all the different type of stuff has been crazy. But, of course, we had to have you on now for the AC tournament, obviously, uh, and the NCAA tournament as Virginia Tech, uh, who that's your bread and butter and that's my bread and butter. Uh, they're pretty much in the thick of things. Obviously, uh, their season has gone on. Uh, pretty much, uh, kind of a little bit of an up and down streak uh, to end the season, but still, um, you know, when you look at the Duke win on February 26th, not too long ago, a few weeks ago, uh, you know, the third win in a row at Castle Coliseum against a top five Duke team, that's a pretty darn good way uh, to end the season as a whole. Obviously, they lost to FSU in overtime, but again, another tough fought battle against a top 15 team in the nation, uh, and then they ended up. Uh, beating Miami, who right now they are projected possibly to play in the second round, which we will get to in a minute. Uh, uh, they beat them in the final game of the season. Uh, Nikhil Alexander, Alexander Walker going for a double-double. Um, but overall, dude, so far uh, the Hokies trying to end their season out on a high note, and looks like they did that so far. Yeah, I'm sure if you told any Virginia Tech fan that the Hokies would finish 12-6 and in the ACC, on January 30th, the first time that Tech played Miami, that was the game that Justin Robinson went down. If you told Tech fans that they would finish 12-6, and six, I'm sure that they would be over the moon. Yeah. There's there's no overstating the job that Buzz Williams did this season to rally his team and, and obviously get players like Wabisa Beattie ready to fill the void left by Robinson, who we don't know when he's going to be back, if he ends up coming back at all. But... The guys that have stepped up, it's its just been incredible to watch. Now, they're, they're a team that can be streaky at times, too. Obviously, you, you saw in, in the Florida State game down the stretch, they faltered a little bit with guys like Ty Outlaw, who has been so big in, in particular spots. Well, against Florida State, he missed some of those shots that sometimes are falling for him. So that that's kind of where you get the nature of that team. But they've got... Guys like Outlaw, Ahmed Hill, and and if they do get Robinson back, it's great. But he's still there on the bench, and that's their core. That's their senior leaders. They were just honored for that Miami game a couple of days ago. But combined with the the young talent like Nikhil Alexander-Walker, they're an exciting team to watch. And, and of course, the glue and and the guy that's actually played the best down the stretch, haven't even mentioned him yet, would be Kerry Blackshear Jr. And, And behind Justin Robinson, he's no doubt their most important player. Yeah, no doubt about it. Blackshear is 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 the one guy you got to look for, in my opinion, uh, to the for, to be one of the catalysts. Obviously, Alexander Walker, you know, he's getting all this praise about possibly being a lottery pick this year and whatever it may be. But Blackshear has, has been one of those guys, especially last year in the tournament as well, that you got to look at and say he has to play well for this team to start gelling and, and moving at their same pace because he is the biggest guy on this roster pretty much. I mean, he he's the guy that plays the post, and especially uh, in some of these later games this season, 
You're seeing, like I said in the Duke game earlier, I mean, 23-10 and 10 was a was a huge uh, game for him because he was the one who pretty much uh, made this team flow at Castle Coliseum, and he got all this run and all this uh, praise on ESPN and all these other outlets. I mean, you saw him lead the team in scoring uh, for about four games in a row uh, from the Pittsburgh game and all the way until the Duke game. So it's, I mean, those were some pretty tough games because you had Pittsburgh, UVA, Notre Dame, and then Tech, or excuse me, and then Duke. And, you know, it, he's kind of on fire right now as of late, uh, you know, being that guy that needs to step up, especially uh, this late in the season and being one of the biggest guys on this roster. And because Tech has been one of the best teams in the entire nation with a three-point shot, you have to think that going into the ACC and the uh, NCAA tournament that him being the biggest guy and the biggest postman on this team, you got to think that he has to go in there and say, hey, if we're not you know, making some shots from deep on the arc, then I have to step up my game. What do you think about that? Yeah, you know, the, the first the first thing with KJ is he's got to stay out of foul trouble. <laughs> that's for sure. That's first and foremost, right? If if in he, you're right, he's their biggest man, he's their he's their really their lone post presence. So they need him in the game, but he has the ability to hit the shot from beyond the arc as well. You know, he's he's not shy about taking the three every now and then and he can knock him down. But he's most effective obviously in the paint and he's on he's also most effective when he's playing with confidence you know sometimes it seems like he's playing a little bit timid he's not going up as strong with his shot or or he's he's you know just kind of shying away from contact with some of these guys that he's going up against in the ACC which yeah. I mean it's it's the best conference for basketball in the country yet again as it as it is pretty much every single year so but he has been playing with confidence you know the the things that Virginia Tech has needed from him he has given them in Robinson's absence and there's certainly some things that that you know there's opportunities that they've missed but again at 12 and 6 in the ACC and in a 5 seed I think they're thrilled uh, but obviously would have loved to have the 4 seed and if they oh, yeah. could have hung on against Florida State they would have had it but Buzz Williams isn't going to look back, and and you already uh, mentioned that Miami game, the possible second-round game that the Hokies could be involved in here to, to start their ACC tournament run. That should be an easy win for them, frankly, and, and you saw how easy it could be when the Hokies throttled Miami on Friday night. Yeah, let me ask you real quick before we get to that is – what do you think about the height uh, going into these two tournaments? Because obviously we saw it last year again, and I mentioned it earlier. Really, right now you're looking at the roster, and pretty much the only one that has uh, a clear shot uh, to to battle inside for the most part uh, is is Ty Outlaw because he's six six, and everyone else below him uh, that actually plays for the most part uh, is is below six six. So when their average height is six five, according to SportsReference.com, Kerry Blackshear. At 6'10", uh, I mean, and, you know, you also mentioned the foul trouble. He averages 3.3 personal fouls a game, which you don't want to see from the lone big man you got. But what do you think is going to be an issue for them if uh, Blackshear gets into foul trouble and they're not shooting well in these two tournaments? Well, and if, if both of those things happen, then they're going to sink pretty quick. <laughs> they're not going to win. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty without, much. Without, without Kerry Blackshear in the game and, and it's their shots aren't falling, then there's pretty much no way for Virginia Tech to, to win a game. That's That yeah. would that's their formula, but I don't expect that to happen. And, and, you know, that's why I bring up the coaching job that Buzz Williams has done uh, in, in Justin Robinson's absence. They've, they've gotten the contributions from Wabisa Beatty, who's, who's been in the starting lineup a lot of these games without Robinson and, and Nikhil Alexander Walker has stepped up his offensive game. And the same names that we keep mentioning, 
I don't think it'll happen where, where they'll go cold. They'll have, you know, some games where they don't shoot as well as others. They could shoot 47% versus a game where they shoot 55 and there's a big difference on the scoreboard. But they, they're good at creating shots for themselves. Whether they fall or not is, is just a different game. So I, if, they, if, if KJ is not in the game, however, it's, it's tough to, to get those open looks from beyond the arc without any threat inside. Yeah, no doubt about it. So let's move into the ACC tournament now. As we look at the current bracket and how it's set up, obviously the first round is tomorrow. Tech has a buy off of that. The second round, as we mentioned earlier, uh, you know, you mentioned the four seed. Obviously, you like to have that four seed because you don't have to have uh, a game, you know, the day before you play that next game. But because obviously these 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 conference tournaments are kind of crazy, in, in my opinion, because you know you're playing four days in a row, which is kind of like okay, you know, obviously you have a little bit of a break going into the NCAA tournament, but four days in a row is still a lot of basketball for even for college kids. But overall, you're looking at this whole entire situation and saying. Is it a positive because, yes, they got an extra day of rest for the most part and they can play a Miami team who they basically beat, which I'm going to assume Miami's going to win this game uh, because uh, against Wake Forest they beat them uh, somewhat handily the first time. The second game they lost to them by like about a point or so. But if they play Miami, which that's what I'm looking forward to the most, Obviously, I think it's kind of a positive because they can kind of you know get the monkey off their back with maybe a bad game of shooting or whatever it may be or foul trouble like we mentioned, and then go into that Florida State game and basically try to uh, catch Florida State on a bad day or a really soft day or whatever it may be, whatever you want to call it, uh, because they have to wait a few days. What do you think about that situation and having possibly a game to get ready, kind of a kind of a simulation game because. We can assume they're going to beat Miami, but at the same time, you don't want to assume anything. But at the same time, what do you think about that? And me talking about that possibly being like a simulation practice for a game uh, to go ahead and play Florida State. Well, they can certainly create some momentum for themselves in a game against Miami because it's a game that they're going to be expected to win. It's going to get. It's going to be a game that they go into expecting to win, but sure. at the same time, it's it's certainly no simulation. It's it's the real deal. It's tournament basketball, and and if you show up ex- expecting to win but not ready to play, then you're going to get beat. It doesn't really matter who you play because all these teams are hungry. All these teams want to show what they're made of, and. You know, a, a team like Miami, who's on, on the outside looking in right now, uh, they could be playing with more motivation. And if they reach the finals and ultimately win by some miracle, uh, which I certainly do not expect them to do. Again, I expect Virginia Tech to, to bounce them, but they would then get into the tournament. And, and that's the, the case for a lot of teams out there. And, and that's what March gives us. It gives us a lot of excitement. It gives us the unexpected. So that's what Virginia Tech has to be prepared for. They have to be prepared for Miami to come at them very early in the game. And I think they'll be ready because although they won't have Justin Robinson, they've, they've been in this situation now the last couple of years where they have an NCAA tournament bid locked going in to conference tournament play. And, and it's really just about improving their seed. Uh, so... They have that still to play for, and, and obviously their their ultimate goal. That I'm sure they expect to win the ACC and, and even the national championship. Not expect, but at least that would be their ultimate goal. Uh, that's what that's what they're going to be battling toward. I don't I don't expect them to take Miami lightly whatsoever. No doubt about it. So let's just assume they get past Miami or Wake Forest, if you want to count them in. Um, <laughs> but looking forward to a, a matchup against Florida State again. 
you saw them against Florida State in Tallahassee. Uh, you know, they were up by 14 at halftime. Then all of a sudden, they faltered in the second half. You know, let, letting up. I mean, they lost the second half by 14 points. Obviously, that ends them tie, and then obviously going to overtime. That's how the math works. But literally, you're looking at this team and how they played. I mean, overall, they had a pretty good game in the first half. Obviously, scoring 33 points, holding you know uh, Florida State to 19. But what really do they have to look at this uh, th- this box score in this game as a whole to build off uh, off of? What does Buzz have to do in practice? Uh, say, for instance, obviously after they get past Miami or Wake Forest, what what do you think they have to practice on uh, to actually withstand the lead and kind of get past the Seminole team? Florida State was pretty much cold in that first half. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if you had the chance to watch the game, but they, they were missing a lot of open shots. Now, at the same time, Virginia Tech was playing great defense. They were doing a good job of closing out on some of those three-point shots. So I would say the key with a team like Florida State, who's always, and, and Leonard Hamilton is a fantastic coach, the Seminoles are always athletic. They're always long. They're always yeah. good at driving to the basket, but they also always have some sharpshooters on the outside that can kill you in the right spot. And and gosh, I'm sure it was tough for Virginia Tech fans to watch MJ Walker, who was a big target of Buzz Williams a couple years ago, knock down a three in a big spot that ultimately was part of icing the game uh, in the FSU's win over the Hokies. But if Virginia Tech can execute offensively the, the way that they did against the Seminoles the first time around and, and continue it throughout the game, they'll be just fine. The, the, the thing that's so impressive, too, about what Buzz Williams has done, not only in, in having to play without Justin Robinson, it's the way he's improved Virginia Tech's defense because yeah. they've always, under Buzz, been a fantastic scoring team. They, they, they've always been small, so they've known they're going to have to knock down shots, and they've been able to do that. But, man, the way that they play defense – Go to KenPom.com, and, and, and they're, they're a top 15 team defensive efficiency-wise, uh, at, at least top 20. They might not be top 15. I, I haven't checked in a couple of days, but they're, they're one of the best defensive teams in the country now, and, and that's a far cry from where they used to be. And it showed against Florida State the first time. They just need to carry that through both halves instead of just one. Yeah, no doubt about it. And then also looking uh, at the ACC tournament as a whole uh, before we move into the bigger picture of the NCAA tournament, let's talk about what you think uh, Buzz is going to go into this offensively. What do you think? I mean, obviously, you know, you can look at, okay, you got to see how the game goes and whatever it may be, but what do you think personally that he will do uh, as, as an offensive game plan, like kind of a blueprint? Will he go to the three ball, which they were, uh, you know, high flying throughout the first, you know, I don't know, 20 games of the season? Or do you think he's going to start maybe, you know, working inside out? I don't, I don't think Buzz is going to want to change too much about what the Virginia Tech's been good at all season. Yeah. And, and really that's been obviously knocking down their three point shot like they've been doing, but, but more so than, excuse me, more so than anything, it's just about execution. And, and I think Virginia Tech is going to be prepared going into the tournament, even without Robinson. Uh, but I've, I've felt that way the last two years as, as well. And although the two years ago, their first trip to the NCAAs with Buzz Williams, a loss to Wisconsin, a little bit more expected last year. Very disappointing in a loss to an Alabama team that they were clearly better than. Yeah. They let Colin Sexton, who did not shoot or play well at all in that game, get to the free throw line at the end and and ultimately take Virginia Tech out in, in last year's tournament. That's something that Virginia Tech needs to be prepared for. I, I just talked about in my last answer, having to be prepared for the unexpected 
well, these games in March get longer. You know, there's more TV yeah. breaks when you get to the NCAA tournament. There's more commercial breaks. It, you're in the huddle for a lot longer. And, and that's something that I've heard Buzz Williams talk about in the lead up to the NCAA tournament the last couple of years. Your team has to be prepared for things that don't necessarily happen during the regular season. So can you weather the storm? So I, I don't think Virginia Tech, from an offensive or defensive standpoint, is really going to change anything. But when it gets down to crunch time, even if they jump out and they're shooting the ball well and they've got a 10-point lead with 10 minutes to go, a team, whoever you're playing, it doesn't matter. It, if they're in the field of 64, they can take you out. Oh, yeah. if, if you're not ready to close the door in that last 10 minutes, you're going to get beat. So execution is is really what it comes down to. And, and make your free throws, man. I, I tell you, Virginia Tech has has generally shot pretty well from the free throw line as, as a team. Uh, but they also have to be careful not to put the the other guys at the free throw line just as they did with Alabama and Colin Sexton last year. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. You can't uh, – trust me. I, where I went to high school, Potomac Falls High School in Sterling, Virginia – uh, Coach Jeff Hawes, I remember specifically one of his things that I don't know if he still does it, but one of his things he used to do all the time was after practice, you have to go and, and I think shoot 10 free throws every single practice. And, and, and that's the thing. You don't want to be a shack out there. You don't want to be a guy that goes out there and they're like, okay, we're going to you know hack a shack or hack a Howard or whatever they want to call it nowadays because you can't shoot free throws. You don't want to be one of those guys. That's why you see a lot of these big men go out there uh, and, and especially like a guy like Anthony Davis or anybody like that who can now play on the wing all of a sudden where you're like a you're basically like an oak tree out there and now you all of a sudden you can shoot threes. Um, <laughs> that's a that's something you always look at and you're like this is this is pretty crazy. But overall, let's let's talk about this real quick before we get into the NCAA tournament about Justin Robinson and his impact. You mentioned it to me off air that his injury, obviously he's one of the, the, the key contributors on this team because out of the 21 games that he played in, he averaged about 14 points a game and about five assists. So what do you think? And he's also technically the best free throw shooter on this team by a percentage base. But looking at his impact and if he possibly cannot go, we, you, know, you, you told me off air that you know right now it's still kind of up in the air. You don't really know uh, what's going to go on. Buzz is still kind of, you know, wishing and praying so what do you think his impact if he cannot go will, will will be on this team because you know what if you lose a big key contributor like that uh and especially a big spot such as these two tournaments going in right now i mean it, it's going to be a more factor uh, than a regular season game or whatever it may be so what do you think the impact of possibly losing robinson maybe for the rest of the year is going to have on this team well, obviously, when he's not in the lineup, they're they're a different team, and and they miss him dearly. But they've been playing without him now yeah. for over a month. Got used I to mentioned it. it a couple of minutes ago. Yeah, the January thirtieth, that first Miami game was was the game that Robinson got hurt in. So they've been playing without him for a while, and and they've been they've been able to dispatch a couple of darn good ranked teams, starting with NC State in the very next game, yeah. which was the ugliest game that Virginia Tech's <laughs> been a part of this season. It was so low scoring. Yeah. Uh, the Wolfpack should be absolutely ashamed of the way that they shot the ball there. Jeez. But uh, you know, the the game against Duke and Castle was really exciting, and it was a well deserved win because the Hokies, for the third year in a row, completely outplayed Duke all game long and earned that win and absolutely deserved to go home with the win but you know I, they're not gonna they're not gonna be phased even though Robinson's not gonna be there at least in the lineup he'll he'll be there and he'll be he'll be on the bench for for moral support um but I, I don't think that you know they're they're necessarily thinking about 
what sort of impact he could or couldn't have, uh, whether he plays or not. It, Buzz Williams in the postgame after Miami on, on Friday said that it's going to be close. That would be the direct quote. It's going to be close uh, in, in regards to Robinson playing in the NCAA tournament. So if I'm a Tech fan, I am preparing for the worst, and that would be Justin Robinson's not going to play yeah. again this season. But again, they've been doing it, and, and they've shown that they can compete with anybody in the country, even without Robinson. Again, it, in, in NCAA tournament play, can you weather the storm? Can you execute, and can you sink those free throws down the stretch? Yeah, no doubt about it. Now, also the thing that you mentioned uh, about Duke in that whole entire game, I hated it listening to the radio and listening to things on ESPN and different things of that nature where everyone's like, oh, yeah, well, they didn't have Zion. Okay, well, we didn't have Justin Robinson. <laughs> like, that's the biggest thing you look at. It's like, okay, Zion wasn't the only one that missed that game. You know, it's like you had your Virginia Tech offense who didn't have their almost pretty much uh, tied almost for the leading scorer in the season. Like, he, I mean, you don't know the impact Robinson has until you know this team. Obviously, everyone's like, you know, where's Blacksburg, Virginia? Like, you only know about it for football. No one ever thinks about it in basketball. But now, ever since Buzz got hired, and I thought that was a great hire, uh, you know, a few years ago, because that's obviously changed the culture uh, of Blacksburg as a whole to now become a basketball and a football school as well. So, I just think that was kind of ridiculous when they kept saying, oh, Zion's out. Okay, well, you know, Zion was out, but apparently they're getting, you know, top five recruiting classes. Virginia Tech isn't getting that. So I just think that overall that was a really good game played by them. And another thing that I want to add on and, and see if you agree with is I think playing in the ACC or even the Big Ten or whatever it may be, uh, obviously not, not, as, not as of late with the Big Ten, but when you look at the ACC, it's kind of like preparing for the NCAA tournament because when you look at uh, the, the, the standings, I mean, you got maybe five or six teams uh, locks to get into this NCAA tournament. I mean, UVA, North Carolina, Duke, Florida State, Tech, Louisville, and possibly even Syracuse uh, will, will possibly get in, and, and NC State as well. So looking at these teams, do you think that playing in the ACC is going to have these guys primed and ready? Because just like you mentioned, you know, losing to Alabama and then also losing to Wisconsin, which obviously Wisconsin was kind of a different animal. They were pretty much underseeded, but I think that this this year is going to be a little bit different because of the sole fact that you know playing in this tough and ACC uh, division, basically you got UNC and UVA, you know, projected to be possibly number one teams in this tournament. I think that's going to prepare them really well for this tournament this year. Yeah, playing in the ACC always is a gauntlet. It's always difficult, and and every coach that comes to to coach in the ACC wants that challenge yeah. and, and man it, it's obviously a collection of absolute legends when you're talking about the guys that are leading these programs but it, it it always is a great test throughout the season and and from january until the the first couple of weeks of march you're pretty much grinding your rear end off and, and it's a and you're just kind of hoping and praying that you can get to a point where you're still healthy and and have have been able to weather the storm just like you would in an ncaa tournament game but the thing about the tournament is all 64 teams like i've already made the point can can obviously beat you um it it all goes out the window once you're once you're there and once you're in the tournament everything else it, it doesn't matter anymore everybody's on the same playing field and and it and it just comes down to whether or not you're ready to go no doubt about it. Now we look at. I feel like I'm saying no doubt about it a lot because you have a lot of good points. Um, <laughs> I just I just noticed that to myself. But never okay. get tired of hearing that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so looking at Virginia Tech, obviously their first game in the second round, Wednesday, March 13th. 
2 o'clock, so definitely check out that game. It's either going to be against Miami or away Forest. Now, moving on into the NCAA tournament. Obviously, you know, Selection Sunday obviously hasn't happened yet, so we'll just talk about uh, the bracketology with Joe Lenardi on ESPN and see where they're ranked right now and see how it's kind of you know shaping up right here before all the conference tournament play has concluded. So looking at it right now here, uh, Danny, we have Virginia Tech as a number five seed, which I think they've been a number five seed for, geez, maybe three months now. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think they're just penciled in as a number five seed to play <laughs> New Mexico State. And they're also in the South Bracket in Louisville. Uh, so, if hey, if you have to go cover that because, hey, you're in Richmond and VCU right now is in the Louisville Bracket as well, that might be a good plus for you as well. Um, but overall, that's going to be a pretty good bracket in my opinion because right now they got Kentucky as the number one seed in that bracket. And think about this. Gardner-Webb, who just beat Radford, well, that's the spot that they're playing is Kentucky in, in, in the South, which is pretty crazy because you would have right there three – or excuse me, four because ODU's in that side of the bracket as well. Four teams in Virginia possibly would have been in that bracket if my Highlanders would have won, but obviously they didn't, so we're not going to talk about them. Um, but, <laughs> but overall, Virginia Tech, New Mexico State, 5-12 seed, that's kind of the one type of seed – uh, and matchup that people say, oh, this could be upset potential. You never know, blah, 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 whatever it may be. So what do you think uh, could possibly come out of a situation like that as a five seed? Well, Tech's been, the, Tech's been in the 8-9 game each of yeah. the last two years, which is always one of the Up toughest games yeah. to pick, right? And and finding a 12-5 upset is always difficult. I, I know the last couple of years for me, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've, I haven't done very well on, on picking my 12-5 upsets. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I, I and I know nothing. I know absolutely nothing. I won't even pretend to know anything about New Mexico State. Um, but that's <laughs> you, you, that's a game, obviously, that, that they're going to be favored to win, and that, that's going to be a game that I expect them to win. Um, it just really depends. I, I saw, I saw Chris Coleman of TechSideline.com, who's a good friend of mine. I, I used to have him on my show all the time on Twitter. Make a good point the other day, and it's that um, the last couple of years, Lenardi has projected uh, Virginia Tech to be in the eight nine game and gotten that correct. Uh, but the opponents and the locations have been very different, yeah. ultimately, than what they were projected to get. So now, I wouldn't look too much into it right now. Uh, that the whoever they end up playing, we can't really preview a matchup exactly. just yet. But um, the the strength of the teams in this state and the Commonwealth of Virginia, man, it's it's been a fun year, and it's it's been a lot of it's been interesting to cover. I won't be going to any NCAA tournament games because I'm gonna have to. I'm going to have to be uh, – I'll be housed up in the studio while um, – if VCU ends up going, Wes McElroy will be covering the Rams. Oh. But uh, I, I, I do get to go to the A-10 tournament to, to watch VCU and, and see if they can complete this journey that they've been on. And they're, they're one of the hottest teams in the country right now, brother. Yeah, no doubt about it. Obviously, no doubt about it. I said it again. I don't know why I keep saying <laughs> it. It makes zero sense. Um, I'm not going to edit it out, though, because I'm, I'm too lazy. So, basically <laughs> – Looking at this entire bracket, just like you said, it's kind of hard to predict, but I'm just saying that's what they're predicted as right now. Um, but if they have this kind of – I mean, if it shakes out like this, it'd be actually pretty nice because of the sole fact that, hey, Duke is the number two seed and we already beat them. So looking at that, you know, that's, that's a big deal. And then obviously we talked about uh, the Virginia teams, which are going to get to the A-10 preview real, real fast in a second. I mean, we talked about it off air that there was – at one point about two weeks ago, there was about five or six teams just in the state of Virginia – 
which had a chance to make the tournament. Obviously, Radford got out, but Liberty ended up uh, winning their tournament uh, uh, conference tournament. Excuse me. And that's the thing is that the state of Virginia, it's actually pretty fun to watch because now, you know, you have all these people that just say, oh, I like to fill out a bracket just because I want to, you know, because it's, it's fun. Everyone's doing it. And then they see, I mean, obviously that busts a lot of people's brackets because they're going to see ODU against possibly Michigan right now as it's, as it's projected. And they're going to be like, oh, yeah, go Monarchs. And then all of a sudden they're going to get trounced by Michigan by 30 points. Um, <laughs> but you never know. Just like you said, you never know because any of these teams that come in this tournament have a chance to beat you. But looking at the A-10 tournament real quick. You're going to go down and cover VCU, or go up, I should say, into uh, Brooklyn. But yeah. really, this is going to be a fun tournament. Ben Simpson is a huge Mason guy. He's a Mason homer. So let's talk about that tournament real quick because right now it's going to be a fun tournament. With you know, you got. I mean, obviously, a lot of the games are, are, are still you know uh, you know going to be uh, tough ones to, to to go by because I think Mason got a nice lucky break or lucky break because. Yeah, you didn't get the top four, four seeds, but you get to play St. Bonnie's instead of one of the juggernauts like a VCU or like um, like a, 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 a Davidson. That's what I'm, I was thinking about Dayton, but I was like, no, that's not it. Um, Davidson in the second or in that next round. So really, let's talk about that real quick, and uh, let's talk about VCU because they're localized, and also Mason real quick. Yeah, you know, the, you mentioned Dayton and Davidson. Both those teams, Mike, are, are great. They're in the. the- yeah. two and three seeds of the A-10 tournament. So anyone that goes up against them is going to have a hard time knocking them out. The A-10 is is really a, a stronger conference than it gets credit for. Oh, and, yeah. and you you learn that, and, and and that's something that I've picked up on now having covered VCU in, in my first season for a little bit. And, you know, this this fan base is very passionate. And VCU right now, uh, they their win streak in, in double digits is unbelievable. They're, they're just pounding teams. And, and they've played some close games like they did against St. Louis. I, I was at that game in the Seagull Center the night that Virginia Tech beat Duke. It was weird. I, I, it was the first time I, I was I was in the Seagull Center instead of Castle Coliseum. Like I, I, I you know, I had been covering Virginia Tech for so long. But yeah. VCU is is the clear cut favorite coming into the A10 tournament this year. Uh, and and the way that they're playing, I don't expect them to falter there because they're they're a team that's honestly I I think they're a lot like Virginia Tech in that they they are very efficient defensively and and are also pretty efficient for the most part offensively. But uh, this fan base knows and, and Coach Rhodes knows his team. They're they're built around defense and just gritty basketball. You know, diving after loose balls and and really. Pressure, 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 all game long. Not necessarily full court pressure, but just playing lockdown defense and, and just you know playing harder than you. Quite frankly, and and they've got guys like Marcos Santos Silva, who is 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 a glue guy, as they say. You know, he's essentially their Kerry Blackshear Jr. Not as yeah. no one on VCU as is as skilled offensively as they are on as as some of the players on Virginia Tech are. But VCU defensively is is a better team, and and they use that to, to their advantage. They they you know they get a lot of steals and and are able to to convert on plays like that. And, and you know they're led. I already mentioned by Santos Silva, but Marcus Evans is is a really good player too. Um, and Isaac Van has has stepped up in, in a lot of big spots as well, which they would expect. So. VCU would, would be my pick to win the tournament, but you know they. You mentioned George Mason, who who in the five seed is is not in a bad position at all. 
Um, they they could go on a little bit of a run, but I mean, we we saw what VCU did to, to Mason recently. No one, oh, yeah. VCU VCU is a buzzsaw right now. That's that's really the the best way I could describe it, man. No one Seriously. wants to play VCU. I, I don't even think that VCU really has to win the A10 tournament to get into the NCAA's. Um, if if you if you want my personal opinion, yeah. uh, but at the same at the same time, if if they were to get bounced in very first game on Friday night, it'd be a pretty bad look. And I don't expect that to happen. Uh, I, I think they'll, at the very least, be playing for the championship on Sunday. Yeah, no doubt about it. Looking at uh, Mason real quick, obviously the most localized school. I mean, right now they're projected to either play GW or UMass. Obviously, uh, that could be a possible easy win because GW not having a great year, UMass as well. Um, but like I said, they're poised to play St. Bonnie's uh, in, in that quarterfinal matchup. And, you know, it's kind of a split situation here because in the first game against St. Bonnie's, they won by 15, uh, Mason did, and then they lost by almost, or geez, by 23, I should say. I was going to say almost 20, 30, but that's what it felt like that night. Um, <laughs> but uh, they, they lost uh, to St. Bonnie's in that second uh, matchup. So really when you're looking at it, it's a situation in this in this environment that, I mean, Mason didn't finish the season out well at all. They only won four games of their last ten, which is like you can't go into a tournament like that after then winning five in a row against conference foes, uh, three of those being on the road. So right now George Mason is kind of reeling a little bit. Um, you know, some of their guys are, are, are kind of banged up and, and so on and so forth, but it would be pretty interesting to see VCU and Mason, see if Mason could possibly be a Cinderella this year uh, and, and make the tournament. Obviously, like you said, VCU almost penciled in pretty much, uh, but it would be pretty fun to see a semifinal matchup between Mason and VCU and see if Mason could try to get some revenge after losing by, it felt like, 70 million points uh, the other <laughs> night. And the funny thing was, is uh, you know, our friend Ben Simpson was at that game and he texted me and said, uh, not going so well. And I didn't see the game because obviously they didn't, they didn't air it on TV that night. They aired the first matchup on TV that they played together, but not the second one. And, uh, yeah, I checked the score, and uh, they scored, I think, four points in the first ten minutes of the second half, while VCU scored like 30. So uh, yep. <laughs> that was not a good game, <laughs> at, least for, yeah, uh, at least for one team. That's that's pretty much how it go- it's been for VCU in, in, in their last dozen games. I, th- <laughs> I think the win- their win streak is up to 12 right now. Yeah. Lost count, to be quite honest with you. No, but the, you know George Mason is a, a team, and, and it would be so cool how you know to, to watch the the team that went to the Final Four in 2006 versus the team that did it in 2010 as as a complete Cinderella uh, in a big time March Madness clash. That would be a, a, a finals between Mason and VCU in the A10 tournament. Um, but you know it, VCU is is a team that. They're going to come after you defensively, and and I don't know if, if Mason is is going to be ready for that. So yeah. <laughs> um, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. Like, like I don't I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to just pencil VCU in just yet because you know they're bound to, to slip up at some point. Yeah. Uh, or but maybe maybe they just don't. You know because the momentum that they've got going right now, I'm telling you, is just. Uh, unbelievable yeah no i mean i was about to say no doubt about it but i held, I held back from saying it i caught myself in the middle there <laughs> um but really when you're looking at it like you said vcu is kind of a juggernaut right now and it's going to be fun to see them in the tournament because right now obviously like we mentioned it's not finalized but right now i think they are penciled in to be a number eight seed and play iowa uh in that first round so that's going to be fun to watch out for as well but anyways 
Check out Virginia Tech. Obviously, next week we're possibly going to have you on to preview who they get in that first round, which would be fun to talk about as well, and possibly even get uh, your your expertise on how you saw VCU in the A10 tournament and uh, and, and talk about what you saw there. Um, but real quick, I, obviously, you know, I, I know you grew up around here and everything like that, so I wanted to get your quick take uh, before we have our separate episode, which I'm going to hold down solo uh, just for a brief time to touch on a few uh, different topics before Ben comes back next week. I wanted to hear what your thoughts were uh, real quick on either Case Keenum and uh, Landon Collins, who just got signed today for the Redskins. What do you think about those two? Yeah, you know, the, the when I saw the Case Keenum deal, I was concerned uh, as, as a Washington Redskins fan, I'm sure. And I know, I'm not I'm sure, I know. I was, listening, <laughs> you know I was listening to 106.7 The Fan as, as that news broke. Um, I was just worried that they had given up too much, but that actually turned out to not be the case at all. Yeah, it was it was as as good a deal that Washington could have got, uh, and and you know a lot of people are saying, what's the point of trading for Keenum? He's not really gonna give you much more than than Colt McCoy is. Well, I would argue that he is, Mike, because he's actually been on the field for most of a season before, unlike Colt McCoy, and and I know that the organization and and the organization really likes Colt McCoy and he's a good guy and whatnot, but I don't think he's really ready to be a starting quarterback. So I, I didn't hate the deal for Keenum and, and what it, it it doesn't mean is that the Redskins are out on going for a guy like Josh Rosen or even drafting someone this year come April, they can still do either of those things. And, and hopefully they do plan on, on eat, grabbing one of those guys. I'd like to see them get particularly sold on anyone in the draft even oh, yeah. Kyler Murray um, I, I don't love any of those guys and, and I don't want to see them trade up that's for darn sure um, but I, th- I think they're in a decent spot I can't believe I'm saying it like <laughs> to, to, to well it, as decent as you can be that's after right, yeah. after losing Alex Smith you know it's, it's so funny you, you find one little like glimmer of hope with this team and it's like oh my god it's all our problems are solved. Wait, no, they're not. Uh, <laughs> Alex Smith obviously is still eating a ton of your cap space, oh, yeah. and and you know hopefully he comes back at some point. But I, I expect his career to be over. He's not going to retire though because he's guaranteed money as long as he stays on the roster. Exactly. Um, but but the Case Keenum deal I, I think is actually pretty good for Washington. At the very worst, he's going to compete for McCoy, and and I expect them. Uh, they're essentially making the same amount of money. I, I expect Keenum to ultimately end up on top and, and win that uh, quarterback battle. But I love the Landon Collins signing. I, it, the, the number is a little high, and and you know he's a guy that obviously has some trouble in deep coverage and and's been beat the last couple of years. But you know I'll remember uh, Landon Collins and, and everybody in Washington D.C.'s favorite safety and mine, my favorite athlete of all time, Sean Taylor, mm-hmm. in his third year. Uh, the Redskins, I believe, were five and eleven, and and Sean Taylor was a part of a defense that uh, would often give up big plays, and and it was it was the year that Sean Taylor had over a hundred tackles, and and he was playing down in the box, and and he was making a ton of them, he was making a ton of tackles, uh, but but he hadn't perfected his coverage yet, and and then year four came around and he had five interceptions through nine weeks and, and then got hurt and, and obviously died a couple of weeks later and Landon Collins is probably the the closest thing and no one will ever be Sean Taylor 
let's get that straight, right? We, we like to compare guys, but there was one Sean Taylor. He's gone now, and there will never be another one. Um, but Landon Collins would probably be as, as close to a guy like that as, as you're going to find, just in the way he's built. But he's going to need some help in, in the secondary, obviously. And what I'd like to see the, the Redskins do now is – you know, and and this might be unpopular, but I'd, I'd like to see them re-sign HaHa Clinton Dix, and and I'd like to see them get that done on a one-year prove-it sort of deal. Sure. Give them give them a small deal and say, hey, we'll we'll give you a deal to come back and play with your boys from Alabama. Play with Landon Collins. Play with John Allen. Play with Deron Payne. Play with Ryan Anderson. Pay, uh, possibly play with Reuben Foster, you know, yeah. depending on what happens with him. And and now the Redskins are being mentioned in, in possibly going after CJ Mosley, who I also really like. Um, but if you got Reuben Foster and, and if he gets cleared, you know, whether he should be able to play in the NFL or not with this domestic violence stuff, um, he, he is a guy that has shown some flashes of being great. Although, remember, he was benched when – San Francisco 49ers uh, when they went well, right before he got in trouble with them. Um, so I, I'd, I'd like to see the Redskins kind of double down on that Alabama thing. Um, but they're, they're also, you know, they, they need they need help in in, in so many different places. Uh, I'd like let's see what what Darius Geis looks like coming back. Um, but man, the wide receiver position for them has been a mystery ever since Pierre Garcon left. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I when I, well, the first thing I'll I'll touch brief, briefly on the Case Keenum thing. Obviously, I, I, I tweeted out once I saw that. I just I just knew I I just I was just like the same thing that you said that I think they're giving up too much possibly you never know but then obviously all the stuff came out and you're like oh we're only paying them three and a half million who cares um, you know it wasn't a big splash but it didn't really hurt us it just helped us like a tad bit I would say but. Really, the Landon Collins, I got kind of giddy today because, <laughs> honestly, you know, DJ Swearinger with his, with his mouth and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, he was, he's a good – I mean, everyone kept thinking he was like an all-pro and all that kind of stuff. Yes, he was, he was good last season, but you know, there's a reason he's been on four teams, four or five teams, whatever right. it's been. And that's the thing is that you have Landon Collins now who supposedly is good in the locker room. Very, very, very good teammate. All this kind of stuff. He comes out, and then all of a sudden, you know, he makes three Pro Bowls out of four years. And and another big thing you have to look at here, Danny, is that Landon Collins played on a team that you know they went after a bunch of high price free agents for for their defense and all that kind of stuff. With Olivier Vernon, who now is gone as well this season as well to the Browns, I believe. And that's the thing is, you know. The, the, the Giants right now, they're kind of in disarray for the most part because they don't know what the heck's going on either because out of the four seasons that Landon Collins is on their off or on their defense, they went uh, below 500 three of those four. So with the one outlier in 2016. So overall, when you're looking at this team, I'm hoping that now when you're looking at the Redskins, especially what's kind of funny is that after the season concluded, everyone saw this team as being, oh, wait, oh, th- th- this team is actually not that bad. You know, their defense is actually pretty good. They got this many sacks. They got this many this. It's because the offense was so poor, uh, porous this past season is why the defense looked bad at certain times. But Literally, I think this is going to sure up the back end. I like what you said about Haha Clinton Dix. I, I didn't, I didn't think about that uh, myself, but overall, it's going to be uh, pretty fun to watch out for because 
after the Case Keenum signing, I, I I put a tweet out there, and you might have saw it. I'm not exactly sure if you did or not, but I I, I specifically said that I'm Tress Wayne. Uh, try to put a pun on that. I'm tr- <laughs> I'm Tress Wayne this season and trying to go all in for Jake Fromm. He's the guy I want. I want Jake Fromm for my next future quarterback. The guy, especially on the the show QB One, you saw you know the, the behind the scenes uh, with him. Like you, you can compare him and Tate Martell. I don't know if you ever saw that show, but you can just see him and Tate Martell and, and like see how how totally different these two guys are. One guy likes to go out in the woods and just sit there and hunt by himself for turkeys or whatever the heck he was hunting. The other guy likes to go party or whatever. It's like I I want the guy that wants to just you know be chill, be a good teammate, and 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 knows how to throw the football. And that's what. Jake Jake Fromm is to me, but again, that's for a whole other season, obviously. So uh, we'll have to get into that uh, a little later on. But again, Danny, I appreciate you coming on, buddy. Uh, we're going to put this episode up tonight so everyone can try to get a little bit of a preview for Virginia Tech and the ACC as a whole, and also get a little dabble into the A10 so people can check that out. And uh, if they, you know, start tuning into the games here because it's starting to heat up here in the next day or so with all these tournament games and obviously Selection Sunday coming up here. So again, thank you for coming on. Uh, buddy and uh, we'll definitely catch up uh, next week and preview Virginia Tech's uh, first Selection Sunday game. Always appreciated, Saron. A lot of fun, man. Hey, maybe things aren't so bad for Washington DC sports <laughs> right now, right? Right, right. It, it's not bad. It's 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 not bad. We still are in a little disarray, but you never know. They they might make a dumb move here in the next day or two. We never know. That's <laughs> always the case. They're always they're always really just one one day away from making another giant mistake. But, uh, <laughs> I, they're they're you know they're. they're actually not in in the war in they're in a better spot than they were last week let's leave it at that (laughs) yeah no doubt about it again danny thanks for coming on dude we'll catch you later all right brother see it i appreciate it that's danny noakes follow him on twitter at danny noakes spelled just like it sounds the co-host and producer for fox sports 910 in richmond their west mcelroy show and he also hosts college football tailgate show on saturdays obviously during the season but definitely check him out at Danny Noakes on Twitter. Again, this is the D.C. Crossover. We crossover all four major sports teams in the D.C. market. This is our Virginia Tech slash ACC tournament preview right here during March Madness. Take care, everybody, and stay tuned for everything that we have going on here in the near future. Lots of episodes to come right here on the D.C. Crossover. Take care, everybody, and enjoy March Madness. Let's set fire.